Hey there, we're the Westlot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I'm John Lacombe. Uh, we got an emergency pod here tonight. Uh, we were you know, pretty much just going to finish up with the rest of our summer previews, but uh, some big news came out of uh, Northwestern summer camp. Um, really, bang, bang, uh, a couple tweets came out. Uh, good news and bad news. Um, we're we're going to start with the bad news, uh, but then we will definitely be talking about the fact that Hunter Johnson was named the starter at quarterback, which is uh, definitely something... Uh, that we weren't necessarily expecting, but uh, I, I think I think at the end end of the day, we're all kind of excited about that. I'm just we're we're holding an emergency pod on a day when Hunter Johnson was surprisingly named Northwestern's starting quarterback, and that's not what we're leading with. Which kind of that's it's been that it's been that kind of day. Yeah. So the first tweet that came out. Uh, was that Cam Porter and Zachary Franks are both missing the season after training camp injuries. Uh, lower body injuries, first thing that pops to mind is, you know, torn torn up knees, but they didn't announce it, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Um, what matters is Cam Porter, the guy who we were expecting to be our bell cow running back, is out for the season, and uh, that kind of leaves some pretty big question marks. I, I know we saw a lot of people on Twitter really starting to to freak out about, uh, well, what are we going to do? Um, and, you know, John, what are we going to do? Well, I mean, so let's talk first, right? I think they're, the big thing, and there's no, there's no replacing this, is it's really easy to make the argument, right, that Northwestern's best offensive player is Peter Skaronsky and Northwestern's second-best offensive player is Cam Porter. And, you know, you can quibble with, you know, various parts of that and, and, you know, not to throw shade, you know, at anyone else, but that's a really easy argument to make. So you're losing a guy who is unquestionably one of our very best offensive players. And I think one of the things that we'll be talking about in a second is, is um, you know, kind of almost in a, in a money ball way, right? Replacing someone's production across multiple players or what are you going to do or how are you going to do that? But there's no taking away from the fact that that Cam Porter is a back who runs with speed and power and you can play him out of any set you want and you can run any play for him and he's going to run it to an extremely high level. And that's a huge loss. There's no papering over that. Um, it, it, it's funny that you talk about returning production. You know, we've been... You know, really ballyhooing the fact that, yeah, Northwestern only has 34% of last year's production coming back. Uh, but, you know, those numbers don't mean much because Porter came on late. Now that number goes to, like, next to nothing, right? It So, again, it sounds really funny to say this because we were kind of the ones, um, and Scuzz did this better than anyone, and Scuzz is not on with us right now because he's he's out of pocket right now because we didn't know we were going to have to do this pod. <laughs> nope. But um, the the idea that the whole idea of Northwestern's misleading product, returning production in terms of running the ball being misleading because when you properly calibrate it, Cam accounted for so much of the production down the stretch that effectively the numbers should be much higher. So now it sounds it's going to sound when I say this like we're really getting, you know, funny with the math to account for returning production. And yet, right, um, you can, 
let's put it this way. If you look at Northwestern's scholarship running backs, um, <laughs> Northwestern's returning about 2,500 yards of rushing and about six yards per clip. There are a lot of asterisks with that statement, but would you rather have truly zero yards returning or would you rather have 2,500 yards with about six yards per clip? That's what we have. Now, there are a couple asterisks here, but that's, but again, let's not sell this short and I'll explain exactly what I mean. So in the immediate aftermath of this, we were all going crazy when we all found about this today. There were tweet storms going on all over the place. We were in no small part participating in this, figuring things out, right? And I think one of the first things we arrived at is that we're going to be looking at back by committee. And one of the real reasons for that goes to the thing we were talking about before. Cam, um, you know, you'd have to go back to Justin Jackson, really, for another back who could do literally everything that you could ask. And that's not to say that, you know, a back like Isaiah Bowser, especially, you know, during his freshman year, wasn't an amazing contributor. But it's just to say, if you want to slam a guy into the line, Cam's your man. If you want to run a stretch play to the outside, Cam's your man. He can do everything, right? Well, now we have a couple different types of backs. And I think one of the first things we jumped to was the juxtaposition of Andrew Clare and Anthony Tyus. Because they're very different backs. Clare has put on a ton of weight when we got to college. But just as a point of reference... Claire was, I think, 5'7", 175 coming out of high school. Um, Tyus is 6'1", 215. They are polar opposites in terms of size. Tyus is a guy who, you know, he grows another inch. He puts on 10 pounds. You know, you're starting to talk about an Eddie George-looking guy out there. Like, he is a massive human being at running back. And, and I mean, he, he was an absolute beast. In high school. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking a top five back in the Midwest. Rivals had him as a four-star running back. Major recruit. And I think a ton of people are like, well, we've got to see him. Part of that, right, is people are feeling burned from last year, being like, we didn't see Cam early enough, so we've got a chance to run this back. We need to see him again. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying, like, it's it's important for you to know, like, the scat back, the stretch plays to the outside, that's not who Tyus is. Tyus is a, is a mountain of a human who is going to run with crazy power, and, and that's awesome. And he's the kind of guy that, like, we will develop the cadence with him, et cetera, going forward. Claire is just a totally different kind of player. As, you know, we said on Twitter, he's a water bug. Um, now, someone on, someone, um, I think, uh, I think our guys from NU Wildside, who I think have seen him up close, were looking, and were, they were basically like, this guy's biceps look like footballs. He's an absolute, <laughs> like, physical specimen, um, which is great to hear. Um, but if you look at him on, 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 on film, he's incredibly shifty. He's incredibly dodgy. He's really fast. He's got a lot going on. They're just different kinds of players. That, he, he, he was a two-time All-Max selection so, at so, Bowling Green. So here's the thing, right? Because that was the knee-jerk reaction to be like, well, look, this is like thunder and lightning kind of situation. And we're going to try to replace, as they say in Moneyball, replace Cam in the aggregate. Then you step back and you realize just what we have in Andrew Clare. And I think that's not to say, oh, he was going to be splitting carries with Cam. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, are you looking to wonder, 
is there a guy who's ready for this moment? That's Andrew Clare. Andrew Clare's been preparing for this moment his entire life. As Scuzz said, this is a two-time all-Mac running back. He has 2,000 yards rushing. He was basically Bowling Green's best player for four years. Um, and what's multiple people have kind of texted us. I don't know why, but there's a subset within our listening uh, base and, and our Twitter followers who are somewhat plugged into Bowling Green football. And they're like, that sells it short. You don't understand how bad Bowling Green has been while he's been there. He's all they have. And the you can look at the stats and be like, the only time Bowling Green ever had another impact player as it happened when he was a freshman and it happened when he was a senior, that player was also a running back. So there's never been another weapon that they've had that was taking the defense away from keying on Claire. And his career average, I think, is like 5.7 yards per carry or something like that. And he has close to 2,000 yards rushing. Um, and with all of that said, there's another level beyond it. And this is something that we had closely examined in the way you closely examine a guy you're expecting to be a backup running back behind Cam Porter. And now we're re-examining it with the level of, of, of um, closeness of a guy who may be our starting running back. And that is the situation revolving around Andrew Clare and the University of Iowa. Because um, if you've paid attention or you know this, we talked about this way back when Clare first transferred. Clare had an Iowa offer <clears throat> coming out of high school but ultimately chose to go with Bowling Green. And when this all went down today, I decided, okay, I need to revisit that because I, I want to know what the situation was there. And the situation's really fascinating. So what you have going on is a situation, um, and, and it's really important to timestamp where this is. This is between really like 2016, 2017, what's going on at Iowa and what's going on with Andrew Clare. So Iowa offers Andrew Clare and he comes on his official visit. But when he comes on his official visit, they're like, you know, we're looking at you as a defensive back or a running back. Which would you like to, which meeting would you like to sit in on? And he's kind of like, um running back that's why i'm here you can kind of see like the the red flags going up in his mind but he goes to the running back meeting well subsequently after he leaves iowa is is hotly recruiting a couple other guys a couple big running back recruits um ivory kelly martin incidentally um from nazareth academy <clears throat> who where jj mccarthy is also from um and eno benjamin and Ultimately, both Ivory Kelly Martin and Eno Benjamin commit to Iowa. And um, Andrew Clare looks and he sees the writing on the wall and he's like, I'm going to Bowling Green. They don't want me. Or they come back to him and they're like, we'll take you as a defensive back. And he's like, no, I want to play running back. The thing is, shortly after that, Eno Benjamin, never he never plays for Iowa. He goes to Arizona State instead. And ultimately... Iowa signs another running back um, much later in the cycle who is almost the exact same type of running back as Andrew Clare and from it but from a much more high profile high school St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida 
um, who had a lot more offers, signed late. There seemed to be some indications that there were some issues with this guy. Ultimately, he goes to Iowa, and I don't know, I don't think he ever plays a down of football. He leaves the program after, I think, one year. And what bears mentioning here is, ultimately, Iowa takes Ivory Kelly Martin, who is a short squat bowling ball type running back, out of this recruiting class. Scuzz could tell you about the fact that Iowa's had a carbon copy of the same type of backs. Scuzz has talked about this in years past, that Iowa went through this whole period where they had the same type of back, like year after year. Ivory Kelly Martin was part of that group. Here's what's wild, though. You have to timestamp where this is in this period of time. The reason Iowa went and grabbed that guy out of St. Thomas Aquinas was because after Eno Benjamin left, they realized, oh my God, we're not going to get the type of guy we want in this class anymore because Claire's gone now. Who is the type of guy they wanted? the type of guy that was tearing up the Big Ten for Iowa at that point in time, Akram Wadley, who was one of the best running backs in 2016 and then one of the best running backs in 2017. Iowa wanted that guy, and they could have had that guy. His name was Andrew Clare, and all they had to do was offer him a scholarship at running back. You can look at the two profiles of Wadley and Claire side by side. Rivals has Wadley listed at 5'10", 180, and his second best offer after Iowa was Temple. Claire's listed at 5'9", uh, 170, and his second best offer after Iowa was Bowling Green. If you want to know what Andrew Claire could have been like if he'd gone to Iowa, Akram Wadley is the answer. So I'm telling you, I'm not saying we've got Akram Wadley. I'm saying there's no indication he wouldn't have been Akram Wadley. He went to Bowling Green and was their best offensive player for four years. So if the question is, is this guy ready to take the number one role of a Big Ten team? I'm going to say yes. So like, I think we are going to have thunder and lightning here. Um, And we do have two different types of guys. But I also think we've got a bell cow. We've got the guy who's number one, and it's Andrew Clare. He's ready for this moment, and I think that's going to be the guy. And and the great thing is, you can put in a guy like Tyus, who you know is a beast of a, a back. And you, I, I don't think that we're going to get into a situation where it's going to be evident. Like we're not going to be telegraphing. Our plays. I'm I think back to like the Simeon Coulter experience where you knew what was happening based on which quarterback was on the field. That's not going to be the case based on the running backs I think we have here. I think, you know, Claire is going to be able to do a lot of different things. And Tyus is going to be able to do a lot of different things too, but just in a completely different way. And that's really, really exciting. Like I, I, I think of a guy who's a little, uh, just a smidge smaller than Eddie George running behind our offensive line. Oh my God, that's amazing. I think of a guy who's kind of like an Akron Wadley running behind our offensive line. And I'm thinking, hell yeah, where do I sign up? The, you know, the the biggest downside to losing Porter at this point is now our running back room is shallow. You got you got Tyus, we got Claire, we got Evan Hull, who's, you know, carried the ball a little bit for Northwestern. He's he's fine. I mean, I, I don't know if he's gonna win like running back of the year award, but you know, he he's serviceable. After that, 
there's there's nothing there. Right. I mean, it's our our running back depth chart beyond that point is such that in my head, Ray Nairo was our fourth running back and Ray Nairo is not a wildcat anymore. Um, <laughs> it's just that like, I mean that we were out of scholarship backs at that point and it's, it's hard to figure out like what, like what we have at that point. Um, um, we should mention Hall. So there, are, there's a, there's a, a contingent of you listening to this who are going to be like, Hall has 495 yards in his average career. His career average is seven yards per carry. Yes, it is. Obviously, there's the huge asterisk with that, but then there's kind of a double asterisk attached to it, too. The primary asterisk is Evan Hall has played in the second halves of a lot of games where Northwestern was pounding on people, and Evan Hall got to eat, and he ate uh, to a tremendous degree, and that is why his yards per carry is so high. The double asterisk is there were a bunch of games where the Trench Cats were pounding on people, and Evan Hall ran behind the Trench Cats and got a ton of yards and a really high yards per carry. My point is, like, if you're out there and you're being like, well, you know, now it's on the Trench Cats. Well, if the Trench Cats do their end, Evan Hall is not going to, like, come up short. Evan Hall doesn't sit at the table uh, you've covered with 20 entrees and then refuse to eat. He does his part. Like, if if you give Evan Hall big holes to run through um, and and, you know, you make it you do a bunch of work he's not going to come up short on his end like he's proven that and also um evan hall is really you know he's very comfortable in this role he has been the number really like three running back for several years now and that's where he slots now and that's that's totally fine um where again as sam said like i think if you're looking for worry like you should be really bummed that our one of our probably three best offensive players will not be playing football this year. Like that's for sure. That's there's no sugarcoating that. But in terms of actual worry, as Sam said, it's it's the depth of the whole room at this point uh, because we really need the guys who are here now to stay healthy. And I think the idea, you know, for those of you who being like, we didn't see Cam until nearly, folks. We have three scholarship running backs. Anthony Tyus is going to play. <laughs> like, don't don't worry about that. Um, so I think you know you're going to see a little bit of everything. But I would say, in terms of confidence, again, like, don't rule out that we have Akram Wadley effectively as our number one running back. There has been nothing to make you believe that's not the case. There's nothing to make you believe he would not have been sweet if he had gone to Iowa. He went to Bowling Green where he was it. And and again, you know, we talked about this online, but if you've been following the last couple of years of Mac previews, like if you're a Mac team, you're going to play two to three awesome defenses per year. And if you're an offense that has one guy, that guy's going to get pounded. It's not like Andrew Clare has not run into the teeth of tough fronts up until this point in his career. He has. And and, and he did it behind a, a bad li- offensive a line. A line that's not even right. I think, right. Peter Skronsky could eat the Bowling Green offensive line. Like there's, <laughs> it's, it, it's a whole nother level. So, I mean, again, I think that's, that's your guy. That's your number one guy. And as Sam said, you get down close to the goal line, you need a guy to, to throw into the line with massive beef. Like, we've got that guy. Um, feel, f- again, no sugarcoating. Cam, awesome player. We're not going to have him. 
um, and and it's super rough. But I think right now what we need to to be really latching onto is look, we've got three scholarship guys, and those guys need need to play healthy. I think you know we're there's not to say we don't have warriors. We all know that you know future. I keep saying future, but is it? current doctor chad hanaoka i don't know he's yeah yeah sure. he's 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 somewhere in in the stages of of be becoming a doctor um played meaningful real minutes against nebraska in the 2018 season when we won a, a big 10 west title and don't rule that out i mean we all really don't want to go there but as sam said there there will probably at some point be guys who are not on scholarship as running backs taking meaningful snaps but um yeah you hope for the health of the unit and you know not to like diminish the 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 hit that zach zachary franks is to the offensive line he would have been a really really great piece to a really great offensive line i mean so losing him definitely hurts the depth on that on the o-line but you know we got a ton of really really great kurt anderson has his guys going so you know, the, I'm I'm not as concerned about the depth of our O line. Um, yeah, losing Frank's it hurts, but I don't know if he was slated to start this season. He, like he might have been in the mix, but I uh, he wasn't going to be our bell cow offensive lineman. That's Peter Skaronski. It's so it's a it's a great point, and it's a great point to look at right the the reaction to. Losing Franks juxtaposed to the reaction to to losing Porter, and I think even after we've, I think done a pretty good job of illustrating that look like we've got backs in the stable right now, people, and they will play. There will no, there will be no situation where you're like, oh my gosh, I wish we would play that guy. Like we've got talent, and all that talent's going to play. But Franks, to your point, exactly, saying like Franks is a, was a big time recruit and is a big time player and will start games at tackle for Northwestern, quite possibly left tackle. We'll start for seasons. He's an awesome player. It's just our reaction wasn't the same because there isn't that worry because Northwestern's absolutely stacked with depth on the offensive line right now. And I think we we all know that there are multiple permutations. I think if you made me guess. I'd guess that Northwestern's starting right tackle right now is Ethan Wiedeker. But if it's not Ethan Wiedeker, it's probably Ben Rather. And then there are other permutations where you're moving Wiedeker inside. And there are like, and that's not including Charlie Schmidt. That's not including Josh Preeb. Like, there are so many pieces here. And there's so much depth. And Northwestern has options. And we're just like, we're just so in such a stacked place with the offensive line right now that. It it does not diminish the talent and the quality of a player Franks is one bit to say that that loss doesn't hurt us as much because he is one of many fantastic players Northwestern has recruited. And Franks will be back. You know, he'll be out this season, but he will be back. You'll see big time football from him down the road. He's a prototype tackle. Um, but yeah, it's a great point because Northwestern has that depth on the offensive line and we're going to be relying on that. So let's uh, talk about the other big news of the day. I mean, this literally happened within minutes of each other. Um, you know, the, these two tweets from the uh, Northwestern Football Twitter account. Uh, I, I honestly, I'm more surprised that Pat Fitzgerald named a starting quarterback 17 days before the first game than I am that it was Hunter Johnson. Like I, 
if 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 you would have told me that Hunter Johnson was going to be the starter going into this season, I would have said, okay, you know, he he probably won the job, you know, in in camp. Good for him. Uh, but I wouldn't have expected to know that until kickoff of the Michigan State game on on September third. The fact that you know there's enough separation at this point that Fitz feels comfortable enough announcing Hunter Johnson 17 days before the uh, before the first game I think is really really telling. I mean that that tells us a lot. We have been huge proponents of Hunter Johnson. Like we we love Hunter Johnson. Um there is no denying this guy's talent. There is no denying what this guy can do on the field. It didn't it didn't happen for him 2 years ago. A lot went wrong for Northwestern in 2019. The quarterback play was definitely part of it. Hunter did not perform the way uh, the way anyone wanted. I'm sure he wanted. He had a lot of stuff going on off the field. His mother was battling breast cancer. Uh, I can't even imagine like the headspace a college kid is in when your mother is, you know, battling a terminal, a potentially terminal illness. Um, but we're now a couple years removed from that. Hunter didn't really play last year. He got in a couple games. Didn't never threw a pass. But he's now been in the system a few years. We, you know, watching some of the videos that are coming out. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of the uh, that uh, Stefan Robinson, right? That amazing little uh, catch that he made in the corner. We froze frame that, went back, and saw that it was Hunter Johnson who threw him that rope. Right, and I think it's it's so funny because there there's so many moving parts to this, right? Everything you said is true. Um, obviously, there's the Mick McCall piece of everything that happened. We're not going to relitigate all that, but I mean, we um, could. We could spend like five hours relitigating that, but let's not. There, there, there. We have a library of old pods. Knock yourselves out. Um, but the then there's the other part too, where again, it's like he was thrown into the fire and it went really poorly. And you know, on Twitter today, the comparison we made was Mike Kafka. Right, yeah. Where Mike Kafka was part of an absolute SHIT show his freshman year. That was oh not just God. him. It I, was. I, 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 I literally still have visions of him, like coming in, getting spun around, throwing the ball backwards on fourth down. It was him and CJ Bechet and who is it? Andrew Brewer. Am I yeah. right there? And it was just. It was an absolute mess. Right and. Kafka was arguably the worst guy in that whole mess, but he was a freshman then. And everyone took that mental picture of that guy, the, you know, the guy Sam just alluded to with that, you know, for three years. And then out of the cave as a senior emerged an NFL quarterback who might as well have been a, just a different human being. And that guy went on to the NFL. Um, and it, that it is now like and, the <laughs> up and coming, like right. potential offensive coordinator. Yeah, right. Forward. Exactly. Right. And He's that's Hunter's in the exact same place. I mean, it was two years ago, everything we're talking about. And the there's so much growth and so much change that can happen in that point of time. But here and and then there's the whole other weird thing, because as Sam said, you're watching the film of of camp and it's on the field, he's so good, he's out there, he's throwing lasers. The Hunter experience that we're all pretty well acquainted with at this point is just that like Hunter seems to be a pretty introverted guy and you know he's 
he's up there at the podium at media day, rocking back and forth like he's in like stormy seas, and like he he can't wait to get off the podium. And you watch some of the videos, you know, of of you know some of the other videos, just the of the preseason and stuff where you know team meetings, whatever. He's just the most low key guy, and I think. It's you, you get into that thing of juxtaposing that with Holinsky, who, of course, is just a, you know, I mean, I mean and, and he's outgoing. He's gregarious. Outgoing. Like, gre- the camera loves him. Exactly. He loves the camera like he is the face of a program. Right. And that's the thing is, is Holinsky is like from central casting as the, the quote unquote raw, raw quarterback. Right. Which is awesome. Um, and Hunter is not that guy. So there's the degree of. You know, you're. It's always been a thing with him where you're juxtaposing that with the fact that this guy was Mr. Five Star and everything. And, but on the field, he just has all of the pieces and came out and won the job. And I think one of the other things, and, and again, just going back to Twitter, we talked about this too about you, you have to divorce yourself from the 2019 lens when you're evaluating this quarterback competition. Two of the guys in this competition were seniors who've played meaningful football, right? Andrew Marty has given his body to crush Illinois, right? Um, and and then a guy who's thrown for 324 yards against Alabama. This was a high-level quarterback competition that Hunter Johnson won, okay? So you go back two years ago where Fitz is being like, look, I, this is all kind of just a mess and I'm keeping it. And this year he's like, look, these guys all look good. Hunter looks the best. He's our starting quarterback. And like, you should be listening at home going, mm-hmm, sounds good. And if you don't want to do that, what do you, I mean, not to go down this road, but like, what do you think's going to happen if Hunter Johnson comes out and does not play well? You think we're not going to play? Ryan Holinsky is going to go yeah, right in. You, you think we're not going to play the guy who threw for 324 yards against Alabama? We don't lose here. This is a great situation like where you're hearing like, oh, the guy who was a five-star recruit and has all the visible tools you could want is playing great in practice. Sounds good. Sign me up. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, this is all good news for me. I, I see no downside. I'm pumped about it. Um, and it, and there's, there's no negative here. I think you will see people asked, um, you know, are we, you know, Will you see some sort of Marty package? I think you will. Don't Probably, be surprised yeah. if you Why don't not? see him down by the goal line um, or something like that. Um, but I think this is a super active quarterback room, and we should be fortunate that now we have um, the kind of room that we have where all these guys are 100% ready to go. And the fact that Hunter's come out and won the job is is fantastic. And I'm psyched about him for Michigan State. He, you know... You, we're, like, we're, fi- we're finally pulling the tarp off the Ferrari, right? Right, yeah. D- dare to dream. Dare to dream that we've got a Mike Kafka out here. Uh, and that, that guys evolve and change. Because we've seen it happen at Northwestern. And, um, you know, it could be that we've got multiple great quarterbacks that are going to be very great for Northwestern in that room right now. Um, and and Hunter's up first, so yeah, we're we're psyched about this half of it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like th- this, this is a good thing. Like like I said, I'm surprised that we made this that he made this announcement to everyone. Like I would have, I what, the way I had it playing around in my mind is, you know, he makes this announcement to the team, like Hunter's the guy, but doesn't say anything to the 
to the press, doesn't say anything to the public because that's who Fitz is. But the fact that he's like come out and made this announcement, like should really get, give people a lot of hope and a, a lot of like good feeling. Like this is good. This is great. Like there's been separation Hunter's been in the program for a while. He like he knows the system probably a little bit better than Helinski does at this point. But like I don't think this is a, a case of you know Helinski you know doesn't know the system. He's not prepared. He's you know which you know we may have heard in the past that other quarterbacks have come in and just not been ready. I think everyone's ready here, and I, I think this is a a locked and loaded quarterback room. And, you know, Hunter's going to get the first go at it. And if he, he does great, fantastic. If he doesn't, then Holinsky can step in or Marty can step in and we'll we'll keep this thing rolling. Right. And and if your question is, how does Holinsky feel about Hunter Johnson getting the starting job? Is your question, how does Holinsky feel about the guy he said he would trust to babysit his future child taking the starting job over him? I think Holinsky's okay with it. He's a competitor. Plus, Holinsky is like a sophomore, so he's got right. several more years in the program. Right, so right. We're fine here. But again, it's like if you're like, I think Holinsky's the better quarterback. Well, then you're gonna find out. Like, either Hunter Johnson's gonna play awesome and it won't matter, or you'll get a chance to find out if Holinsky needs to come in. But again, I'm like, this situation tells me Hunter Johnson's balling out in practice, and I'm like, fantastic, great, let's do it. Um. Yeah. yeah. And and plus, like you know, it, with with Porter, with with Franks, with with Hunter Johnson, injuries happen. Like there will, like we would have been naive to think that you know Cam Porter was going to go the entire year without getting nicked up in some manner. It's football. Football's rough. People get hurt. Will Hunter Johnson take every single snap for Northwestern this year? No. I I, I mean I, I'm not even going to couch that with maybe like. There's zero percent chance that Hunter Johnson takes every single snap. I'm not saying why he wouldn't take every. You know, in a blowout situation, you get other guys in. We will see all of these quarterbacks. We're going to see all these running backs. I'm not concerned about any of that. Yeah, people were. You know, some people were getting deep into the weeds, which again, that deep in the weeds on Northwestern football is where we live. So good on you. Yep. Um, the but again on the whole like. Some people were almost like tinfoil hatting. Was the was the announcement of Hunter coinciding with Cam being out because Hunter provides more of a running threat? And I'm being like, I don't think any of the timing was like that. I do think you're going to see Hunter run the ball a lot. Um, and and but I mean, Hunter runs like Clayton Thorson ran. I don't know. I think so. I well maybe. So he's. I would say he he may not be. How do I say this? Maybe not the most confident runner, but God gifted him with wings on his feet. Like, he was part of, like, a state championship track team. Like, Hunter Johnson's really fast. Um, so it's just kind of the question of, of what ends up happening. But again, year two of Coach Jake, people. And one of the points that a, a couple people made is Hunter's had a ton of time in the Coach Jake system. Um, and that that potentially does give him, give him an edge over Halinski, which is, like, great. Like, that's a ton of time for, for Coach Jake to be like, yeah, I got a million tricks up my sleeve for you, buddy. Um, let's go to work. So, yeah, again, this this part of it is good. And, like, you know, to, to, to tie a ribbon on this, it, Hunter Johnson 
and Andrew Clare walking out against Michigan State on Friday night, you know, two weeks and change from now. Don't worry about that combo, folks. Like, those two guys can get it done. Um, You know, worry about the depth, worry about the course of the season, worry about how everything's going to play out long term. But those two guys behind the trench cats, those ain't your problems, folks. Like, we're going to need to figure out receiver, right? But um, those guys will be ready. Like, those are ponies who can get it done. All right, so I, I think we've we've covered what we need to cover tonight. Um, just kind of a peek under the hood from us. We pre-recorded all of our uh, summer previews, so we've got a few more previews coming out. I don't think anything that happened today is going to affect any of you, our previews. You'll probably hear Cam Porter's name mentioned a couple times, though, unfortunately. Yeah. And it is what so, it is. Yeah, we th- those are pre-recorded. Theirs are still going to drop uh, within the next week, week and a half. Um, but we will be back. The three of us will be back to do the Northwestern preview uh, the week of, you know, week before the game. And then we'll have our, our game week preview uh, coming up. So um, thanks for thanks for jumping on with us tonight. Uh, you know, we like the the, emer- the bat signal was fl- was shown. So we uh, we had to come because I know that a lot of people were, were wondering if we were going to be up responding to this right away. And uh, far be it for us to keep our listeners wanting. So uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.